0: I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but our youth, they're in crisis. The numbers of kids who we deal with daily that have depression and anxiety just continue to rise. And then the suicide rates among our youth just are climbing year after year. Kids need our help. It's a big problem. And I think it needs to start with how we talk about mental health, and it needs to change. Someone who's been fighting hard to raise a big voice to all of these issues is my guest today, Tessa Stuckey. She's a licensed counselor who sees firsthand with her clients the mental health crisis that we are in. She's amazing. And we're going to be talking about all how we can actively parent against all the cultural influences that contribute to the rise in mental health issues we see today. It's going to be so good. And parents, this is a must listen. But first, got to pay the bills. We back, everybody. So it's no secret that teen suicide, depression, anxiety, it's all on the rise. And so many of us just don't know what we can do to help our kids. And so many of us don't even understand what the problem that's going on. So that's why I reached out to our guest today to see if she could come on and give us a hand. Um, Our guest today, Tessa Stuckey, is a licensed professional counselor. And as a therapist, she's become well-versed in depression, anxiety, and suicidality. And she's noticed certain cultural influences that were contributing to this mental health crisis. So she wrote a book on it, and it's awesome. It's called For the Sake of Our Youth. Um, Y'all should go get it. She's an amazing person, mom, and we're so lucky to have her on the show. Welcome, welcome, Tessa.
1: Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, we're so glad to have you. So first off, how the heck are you?
1: I'm good. I've had COVID for the past 10 days. Um, I know. Um, So the beginning of my quarantine was miserable, but now I'm feeling good and I'm still have to stay quarantined. So it's kind of like a little vacation. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie.
0: She lives. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And where are you coming at us from?
1: So I'm in Houston, Texas, just north of Houston.
0: Oof. Does Does it even get cold over there?
1: It does. It really does. Um, But it's very sporadic and um, comes out of nowhere. It'll be 35 degrees one day and then the next day be back to 75, 80. So it's, we never know.
0: Man, you never know. Yeah. Part of me feels like you're lying just to make us Utahns feel better. I (laughs) promise. I promise. It
1: gets cold here and it's a different kind of cold. It's a very wet not not enjoyable cold at all like you feel like your bones are like shattering and shivering but in utah in um colorado where i've experienced and even wyoming it's more of an airy cold i like it
0: oh you like you like the dry cold
1: i do I do. Yeah. Not um, that I could live there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. But for
1: little vacations and trips here and there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Touche. <laughs> Touche. Well, like I said, in the intro, I mean, it's no secret. Our youth are kind of struggling right now, like yes. resiliency, suicide, depression, anxiety, self-harm. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it was like it was like 20, 30 years ago. Like there's The telltale signs of someone going through hard stuff aren't presenting themselves like they used to. Um, And so it's just kind of hard. So it's been hard for our teens. Um, That's
1: the scariest part, I think, is that the signs are not as obvious as they were, you say, 20 or 30 years ago. I'm thinking more like 15 years ago. mm. Um, You know, when I was in high school, the signs were very clear when someone was struggling Um, and now we're seeing more and more teenagers and adolescents who they don't show any of those traditional signs like isolation and, um, uh, severe depression and not wanting to talk to anyone. They're all, of course, that's still happening, but, um, for the most part, these kids are wanting to talk and they aren't totally isolating. And, and so it's kind of coming out of nowhere for a lot of parents to find out, oh my gosh, you've been having these thoughts. Like, where is this coming from? I've been a good parent. Like what in the world? Um, And unfortunately I found in my research that it's more of a cultural influence than, than anything else. It's not necessarily a mental illness issue. It's a mental health issue.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen. I feel like a lot of people are automatically labeled as your anxious you are Mm -hmm. depressed and Mm -hmm. it's more like no I mean if someone had a broken leg there'd be no shame in going to the doctor and getting a cast right but when people are struggling with their mental health there's a lot of judgment and shame around mental health issues and kids just they, I mean, they feel that shame, and they're like, "Oh, I don't want to be judged by my peers. I don't want to be judged by my parents. I, I shouldn't be broken. I am weak because I'm struggling." When right. this is really, really normal, it's um, natural, right? Now you're a therapist. How, how long have you been a, a licensed counselor? A um,
1: I've been practicing for about seven years now. Um, and about five years ago, our community was experiencing what's called a suicide cluster. And there were six girls in about a year and a half that ended their life by suicide. And they were all in high school and all of my clients were teenagers as well, struggling with those thoughts. And so it was, it was really perplexing because, like, kind of like I was saying earlier in grad school, I had learned all the things to look for. um, And these teenagers were presenting none of that. And I was so confused Uh. and I have four kids of my own. And at that time they were little, they were four and under, and I was scared out of my mind, basically to be a mom in today's world. And so I decided to, figure out what the heck was going on within our culture. And, um, that's what my book is based around the six cultural influences that have affected today's youth. And it starts as young as one years old. You know, there's things that we can change from the get-go within our culture to protect our kids.
0: Yeah. And, uh, that's so sad. High school kids, man. Yeah. Um, this the, the the past month or so so i work at a high school in utah okay and um just and we so we have three high schools within like 10 minutes of each other
1: where in utah do you live
0: i, I live in Tooele. where's that <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm about 30 minutes east of salt lake city
1: okay i know where that is yeah most people know where salt lake
0: city is yeah. it's the capital yeah um, but we had um we lost uh we lost a senior last week at the neighboring school mm-hmm. and 2 days ago we lost a oh. Recent grad. Uh, oh no. So we're at 2 in 2 weeks now. Yeah, um, I oh,
1: that's yeah. a lot.
0: Yeah. And we're like and, and people are like, what "The heck?" like Yeah. this coming from and yeah. I'm like if you go to all go to Amazon there's yeah. here um, because it really does go through a lot of these things um, yeah. that that it, it makes it make more sense. Um, now, one of the things that you covered in your book with the cultural factors and everything, one of them is instant gratification, how yeah. it's really affecting the resiliency of our kids.
1: Yeah. Why is that? Well, because they don't know a world where they have to wait for anything. You know, they they don't have to wait for pictures to be developed or to go rent a movie on Friday night, it's at their fingertips all the time. And it starts what I was saying earlier, you know, as young as being one years old and you know, going out to eat as a family and the baby starts to fuss. It's just so convenient and easy for mom to hand the baby her phone to play games or to watch Mickey mouse. And that right there creates, um, the, deprivation of learning how to struggle and build the, the strength and resilience to get through typical life stressors. And so when they grow up with that and then they hit those wonderful hormonal years around 11, 12, 13, and emotions are really strong and they're experiencing emotions that they've never experienced before, it can be so overwhelming and all they want is that instant fix. Now we all want instant fixes, right? When we're having a bad day or we're going through something that's, that's really hard and it's a long journey for us. We do. We, I know I'm, I want it to be fixed right now. However, we grew up in a time where we had to get used to delayed gratification and have a little bit of patience and learn how to tell ourselves like this too shall pass and I will get through this. And this is temporary our kids are not experiencing chances to even learn to say that to themselves. No. And so, so when they get to those wonderful hormonal years that you know very well of working in a high school and emotions are so deep and so strong and they've never experienced some of these emotions before. Unfortunately, suicide is on the table as an option and it's happening more than ever. So they're going to think about it as an option. Same as self-harm. I cannot tell you how many girls and boys too have come to me and they say, and I ask them the question, when is the first time you even thought about hurting yourself? Like how did that even come into your brain as an option? And almost every time I hear around sixth, fifth, sixth, or seventh grade, either a friend told them about it or they saw it on social media. Mm. And there it is. It's that instant fix to them that actually isn't fixing anything, but they think it is in the moment because they just don't want to feel those emotions.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And w- the, I I see a lot of little kids struggling, yeah. Um, like six, seven-year-olds, that there's no way that they would know about cutting, about right. suicide, about stuff like that. Unless it came from a like an older sibling, so probably not that, or B social media.
1: Right.
0: And yep. it's probably the latter. Cause we got a lot of like six and seven year olds on yep. TikTok and Snapchat. Yep. And I mean, I remember just a couple months ago, there's the whole debacle where there was a man who took his life on TikTok.
1: Yes. For millions to see. Right. Yep. And and oh. uh, yeah, I we just lost an 11-year-old last week and um and that's exactly what I think was happening. I think that she you know, I don't know the family so I don't want to say anything you know wrong, but an 11-year-old, 6th grade, really sweet girl, how would she know what to do or how to hurt herself? And the only thing I'm pointing to is like you said TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat. I've had clients say like, oh, I saw an ad on Instagram saying, if you need help, and that's what sparked that interest for me. That's what gave me the idea. So mm. even unintentionally, social media is creating that. And their their brains and their minds and their hearts are so young that they cannot process it correctly and regulate themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. I think that either it's an older person in their life that has to kind of, quote unquote, educate them on how to be harmful to themselves, which I really hope and pray is not happening um or it's got to be YouTube and TikTok and social media because i don't know if you're on TikTok Nate but there there really are a lot of unhealthy oh yeah toxic things on TikTok and i think parents don't don't want to believe that or just don't think that because it's a cute little app that you make fun little videos on. Um, Mm -hmm. But there are so many people on TikTok that are hurting. And that is the place where they share that hurt. And that can be very contagious and harmful for our kids.
0: Yeah, I have TikTok. Uh, I've made two videos and uh-huh. both of them are, have the words of delete TikTok in them. So it's kind of funny. Yes. But
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I had TikTok over the summer cause all of my clients wouldn't shut up about it. And I was like, all right, what is this TikTok thing? So I got it and I explored it. I get all the things that the kids tell me about and I explore it. I need to know, right. This is right. my way of educating. Um, oh my gosh, that thing is so addictive. I cannot even imagine being, A teenager and trying to regulate the addiction because Mm -hmm. it's so addictive for, I mean, I know adults that struggle with a TikTok addiction. Um, And the other thing that I noticed was I made one video and I I was singing with the ukulele and within about an hour, all of my followers went up about 400 people and it was all men and they were all messaging me. And I was so disgusted by that. And I have a whole highlight bubble on my Instagram about like why we should delete TikTok and my experience with it. So I go into a little bit more detail of that, but, um, I really, I really, I don't want to use the word hate, but dislike TikTok so much. TikTok is exactly what is wrong with our culture. The instant gratification, the distraction, the toxicity, it's got all the things that I really dislike for our kids.
0: I'll say it. I hate TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I hate TikTok, everybody. Okay, I'm
1: gonna join you in that. I really hate it. I really it is, hate
0: uh, it. and and just like what you're saying. I mean, it, it's it's it is what is wrong with everything going yeah. on right now. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and you deal primarily with, I mean kids like teenagers transitioning college kids heading into that area yeah with a lot of them that are experiencing a lot of these issues does social media play a role
1: yeah and the older kids will tell me that too they like you know my seniors 17 18 year olds they hate their phone They tell me that they're thankful that their parents put restrictions on it back, you know, eighth grade and freshman year. Mm -hmm. And they all tell me that they are going to raise their kids differently without the dang smartphone. And that gives me hope. That gives me a lot of hope to hear that. Like, okay, they're learning. It sucks that they have to be the guinea pigs of this. Mm -hmm. Um, But they there is some hope in the future for future generations, but they agree that and I sit with teenagers all the time. And one of my first questions is, How much time are you spending on social media and what do you have? And they all kind of like hunker down and you get very shameful. They're just like, Um, I have TikTok and Instagram. Dun, and- dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, well, we need to talk about either deleting it or scheduling time that's productive or balance or something so that you're not on it for four hours a day.
0: Yep. Amen. If not more. And and parents, just to get an idea of how much there is out there for your kid to be participating in, um, it kind of, I'm not going to say freaked me out, but maybe a little bit when I looked into it. So just in my social media folder on my phone, I have Facebook, Instagram, Marco Polo, Slack, LinkedIn, Twitter, Reddit, um, TikTok, Snapchat, and group me. That's like 12 apps. Yeah. And that's not even all the things No, And I have those just so I can see what the enemy's doing behind the lines. Right. I'm like, holy shiz buckets. Like, yep. Oh, There's wow. a lot.
1: And I think that I want to give parents a little bit of mercy. Like, I think that if they, you know, I'm, it's like, I'm at the battlefield every day. So right. I'm at the front lines and I am so fearful of all of this because I'm hearing it all the time. If I was not a therapist working with teenagers, I would not know all this. And I would be one of those parents that would be like, sure, you can have this fun little app that looks so fun to communicate with your friends. Um, but what I think is happening is a lot of times parents trust their kids to, when their kids say something like, Oh no, mom, I just use it for fun little videos. Or I just, mom, it's fine. Like I have two friends that I chat with on Snapchat or, um, I'm just playing Minecraft, you know, to, keep my friends during quarantine. I I do give parents the benefit of the doubt that they truly believe that and trust that in their oh, yeah. kids. Right. And also to think like my 10 year old wouldn't do something like that, you know, um, but the, the scary part is, is even if that's not your kid's intention, it, it does happen and it does get into their social media and their games and their phones. And, and that is what parents need to wake up about a little mm-hmm. bit is, The fact that, no, I'm sure your nine-year-old son or daughter, their intention is not to seek out some of that toxicity, but because you are handing them this device that has endless possibilities, it will come into them and it will create a a sense of trauma for them. And they have to grow up a whole lot quicker in that sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, parents that are listening, it's up to you when you allow your kid to get social media, that's on you is whatever you feel is, is great, but just know Whenever they do get it, they will be exposed to self-harm and pornography. Yes. They they will.
1: Like 100%, they will get exposed.
0: And so when you feel like they're ready to handle that, cool beans. But they're going to get exposed.
1: Yes. I get asked a lot, when should we allow the social media? And I'm all about like a gradual plan to get our kids there. I will say around 16 kids' brains are developed enough. And I believe that they almost need to start that journey of social media because they're about to go to college in a year Mm -hmm. or two. And I don't want them, you know, to be that typical, like what our parents used to worry about is like us going to college and being becoming party animals. Like that's what's happening with social media, with kids that don't get it until college. So I don't want that to happen. So I, I advise parents around 15, 16, start having those conversations of getting it, but start having the conversations about it from the get-go. My kids ask me stuff and, you know, they wonder what I'm doing on my phone and I'll explain what Instagram is and why I'm on it and what I get out of it. And so it's important to start those conversations young and then gradually allow them to get a smartphone around 15, 16 with social
0: media. I like that. I like that a lot. Cause we, we do, we, we do need to introduce them to the yeah. world because it's, it's not, not going, going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's not going anywhere.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but you know, kind of what we learned in psychology steps of approximation so that mm-hmm. we can eventually get to what we want. Yep.
1: Um,
0: so we've probably freaked out a lot of parents. Um, (laughs) what can we do? (laughs) Good. Yes. Wake up, Karen. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) What, what, what can we do as parents to encourage resiliency, help our kids out?
1: So the biggest thing that I suggest is to let them struggle. So step back a little bit. Don't be their fixer anymore, even starting at a young age, but definitely if they're, you know, kid range preteen and teenager you know become more of their support system and cheerleader not their fixer um that's called a lawnmower parent and we are depriving our kids from struggling and it hurts as a parent to watch our kids struggle it is so hard to see our kids cry or get frustrated and we know that we can just fix it real quick like i already know how to do this let me just do it for you but that is actually one of the worst things we can do as parents um And the good thing, you know, I know COVID and this pandemic has been a lot of things, but I will say the silver lining is it is helping our kids build some resiliency. They are having to go through something that is unexpected out of their control. There's some unknowns and they're experiencing anxiety in ways that maybe they haven't before. And they're experiencing boredom. And I'm a big fan of boredom for kids and preteens. Teenagers, I get nervous with boredom um, because when we're bored and lonely, our thoughts can get pretty dark sometimes, teenagers and adults. That's why it's important to allow them to be bored when they're little so they know how to handle it when they're teenagers and adults. Um, So with teenagers and adults, I would encourage the boredom, but maybe a couple options to keep yourself entertained Mm -hmm. um, that the parent helps them with. But But yeah, I think those are the biggest things to focus on to build resilience is allow the boredom, allow the struggle, encourage, give supporting words and be there if they fall and help them pick up, but let them struggle.
0: I like that. Let them struggle, parents, and let them be bored. And part of that is not being on the dang phone. Okay.
1: Yes. I mean, that's Uh, uh. all of it, right? (laughs) Like that's usually my number one rule with- younger kids when parents ask me so where do we start you do not allow a device during a time of boredom or emotional yep. distress
0: ever yep and if you're like oh but i still need something for so they can communicate with me if they need to ride home or something right. cool gab wireless there has are an awesome phone there yep. are options guys lots of them flip phones they exist
1: have um, you looked at pinwheel
0: i don't ooh what's pinwheel
1: i i don't know i've been trying to communicate with them we're we're going to try cause they're going to educate me, but it's like Gab wireless, I think.
0: Oh, awesome. But it's a
1: smartphone look with only text and And calling. I I think, I think, and I'm pretty sure pinwheel again, I'm not sure, but, um, they gradually, you can add internet later, Mm -hmm. like when they get a little bit older or you can add taking pictures later, right? that sort of thing. So it's more of that gradual buildup. I love um, it. So I need to look more into it and get back to you on that because I like, you know, we need more options. I love Gab. Um, we have a Gab wireless phone so we could learn how to use it and have it as our house phone. Right. Um, and so I love Gab wireless. Absolutely. But there are other options too. Like yeah. there's smart watches that kids can have where they only can call and text certain numbers. And I like those too. So yeah, there's options.
0: Which are pretty fetching cool. Those watches, my little brother had one. Mm-hmm. Like, homeboy felt like a Power Ranger. Not even yeah. like a little nine-year-old. He's like, Zordon, we need help, Mom. Oh, that's so uh,
1: cute. Yes. My seven-year-old got a, a watch for Christmas, but um, it doesn't do anything other than it looks like a smartwatch, and that is enough for him to just be go. so excited.
0: There you go, man. So kind of changing gears, this whole podcast, my whole movement initially, it started to empower bully victims and those who felt like they have no voice. And through my work on here and as a counselor, I noticed that kids, they kind of use bullying as a coping mechanism when they're struggling. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like their phones have sucked the empathy right out of them. Um, What are your thoughts on empathy? The lack of empathy, is it a problem with kids right now?
1: It is. A problem for sure um my biggest thing that i live my life by and try to teach my kids and my clients is that hurt people hurt people yep. and you know i believe in in the psychology field we are learned that we are learned we are taught to talk we are learned. Right? <laughs>
0: They think they are (laughs) wise.
1: We are taught that anger and fear are secondary emotions to hurt. So someone who shows anger or fear, really that's some form of hurt happening deep down. But I take it a step further and I believe that all negative emotions are secondary emotions to hurt. So if even like you're grumpy because you didn't sleep last night, like that's a form of hurt, right? You're physically hurting. Your brain is hurting. Your body is hurting. So- I take all forms, negative emotions and negativity into a place of hurt. And a lot of times as as human beings, if we can recognize that someone is being mean to me because of their own stuff going on, their own hurt, then I can choose to A, not let it get to me as much and B, not pass it on. So I can choose not. I can choose to have empathy for that person and to feel bad for that person that they are so hurt, whether it's something going on at home or something going on with their parents or school or athletics or whatever it is, something with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I can choose to say, okay, she just said that mean thing to me because she's dealing with her own hurt. And I'm going to choose to, you know, stop that train right here not pass it along to the next person and not let it get to me as
0: much. Yeah. Yeah, when when we go through hard things, or when people do hard, you know, do, do things to us, um, we can become better, or we can become bitter. Yes. Um, and like you said, like hurt that. hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I realized that, it was a lot easier for me to be empathetic towards those who mistreated me. Yeah. Um, you know, kids would stand me up in the hall, you know, seventh grade or yeah, freshman yearish, and they'd be like, you know, saying whatever they were, like, go find some friends, go kill yourself, whatever. Um. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, man. You don't know yeah. who you are. Right. Ah, It'd really <laughs> like piss them off. But <laughs>
1: choosing not to give them the power. Right. Yep. Wait. No. So in seventh grade, you were bullied. Is that kind of what has yeah. given you this passion and motivation?
0: You, um, kind of. So let, let's, let, let's see the timeline. Um, First grade, I was pushed off the slide because glasses kids can't be on the playground.
1: Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Fifth
0: grade, I went to sit down and a classmate shoved a pen up my butt. Um, sixth grade I got in my first trash can seventh grade first locker Man. Um, eighth grade um, my teammates in football held me down took turns kicking me in the groin Ninth- that is
1: like um, movie type bullying
0: yep yep uh, so I'm from a super small town and I got okay. super, super thick glasses in kindergarten okay. and yeah. so and then Stemming off of that, I was pretty socially awkward because yes. I, I had no positive social interactions. Sure. And then ninth grade, um, I got put in a dumpster right before homecoming. And then 10th grade, someone told me to kill myself to my face. Really? Um, and then um, my dad had been stepping. So he's, he used to be a domestic violence therapist for DCFS. Oh, wow. Um, and so he'd been helping me along the way, trying to, trying to step in where he could. But mm-hmm. I was a hard-headed and very stubborn. I don't want help, Dad.
1: Right. Um, I got this.
0: Until he gave me help. And thank heavens that he <laughs> did. Um, but that was yeah. one of the first things that I learned was empathy. That it really helped heal a lot. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um. Yeah. So first off, Tessa, thank you so much for coming. Um thank you for having me. This has been so wonderful. I, lo- I love all of this. I think that. Kindness and empathy, it's like the magic ingredient that's going to help make everything a little bit better. I do too. Um, that there's going to be a lot less judging. There's going to be a lot less hate hate and anger yeah. and a lot more healing. Uh, and I
1: think kindness is not just being nice. No. I think kindness goes much further than that and allowing mercy for others and empathy and um, welcoming arms and friendliness and stepping out of comfort zones when needed. Um, It's much more than just saying hi to someone or being polite.
0: Yeah, it is so much deeper. Um, And the more we can deploy it, the more this world is going to heal. So I love it. Um, So how can people keep track of you? Shameless plug time.
1: So um, you can go to my website, TessaStucky.com. It's with an E-Y. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the mom therapist. That's where I spend most of my time to share information is Instagram. I'm also on Facebook as Tessa Stuckey LPC, but that's kind of hard to remember sometimes. And that's most of it, right? I think, and you can get my book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any, um, independent bookstore can order it to have in their store as well. And yeah, the book is for the sake of our youth.
0: And it's wonderful, y'all. Okay. It's It's, an easy read. It's a super easy read. Yeah. This guy can read it. Okay. (laughs) I hate. I hate. Okay. I shouldn't say hate. I (laughs) love reading a good book, but reading is not my forte. Yeah. I was a horrible student. I was I was too.
1: I'm the same. Mm -hmm." I I
0: could read this, y'all. Okay. It's okay. (laughs) Um and that all, all those things is going to be in the show notes. So go check her out. She is amazing. Um, go follow her on Instagram. She shares so many great things on her stories all the time. Um, make sure and go follow me on Instagram at bulliesbeat.gon for your daily dose of positivity. And always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug. We'll see you on the next one.